0: Good morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the freedom that we have to read it and to hear it read. Bless us as we hear it. Keep our hearts and minds quiet to hear your voice and no one else's. In Jesus' name, amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning is Psalm 24, Psalm 24. Of David, a psalm. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in the holy place? the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors And our New Testament reading is from from Matthew, chapter 5, verses 33 to 37. Oaths. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: School is out as I walked in today Lucy Redfern ran towards me gave me a big hug and said I don't have to go to school tomorrow <laughs> absolutely wonderful um, summer is here and we're hearing about the summer slam and in just a few weeks time there's going to be holiday club Michelle came round last week with a massive big bolt of fabric and said Heather we need the background to look like ancient Egypt eight meters long and a meter and a half um, wide. So I thought, right, I, I need to get ready. And, and um, well, that, that would be useless, right? <laughs> that would take an awful long time to be able to get the backdrop. What we need is something like this. Okay. <laughs> so this is going to be, this week, is gonna going to be getting ready. And going to be getting ready for a holiday club and being able to make a... Uh, a huge big banner for the backdrop. And we're going to be looking today at the art of words. But when we think about art, you know, when you think about great works of art, which which you have seen, I wonder what it would be like to copy it. I wonder what it would be like to make a forgery of it, to make something that looks so like it that, that you couldn't tell the difference. You wouldn't start with this and all the expressive joy that we see on big paintings. You'd start with this, wouldn't you, to make it look as near as possible, like every single dot would count, painstakingly working at it, studying the canvas, looking at the paint, making sure that you've got exactly the right thing so that it looks the same. Art forgers have have done well in recent years. This one sold for 450 million pounds, and then they realized that Leonardo didn't have anything to do with it, which must have been a bit of a sickener, actually, when when you saw the, the, the beauty of it, but then realized, actually, it's a fake. What we're going to be doing today is looking at the next of these parallel passages that Jesus has us paying attention to in Matthew He says, you have heard it said, this law, but I say to you, it actually looks like this. So this is the fourth section where he's stating the law and explaining what it is. But in comparison to murder and adultery, looking at oaths and making vows, it it doesn't seem to have the same weight or bearing does it? You know, those things are the big things. But Jesus is saying, don't break oaths, fulfill to the Lord the vows that you have made. Isn't that enough? Because that's clear, you know, do what you say. Isn't, Isn't that sufficient? The original intention in making an oath was to call God as a witness to the truth of what you're saying. It was for other people, we see oaths often in marriage services. I call God as my witness to this vow that I'm going to make. Or in courts of law where we say, I attest to the truth of this and this will be good for the whole community because this is truth and what we need is to know what happened. What we need is to know the truth. But there are other kinds of oaths. Oaths that aren't really for other people. They're, they're kind of more for us. You know, there seemed to be for me. When there's slight doubt about what we say, we can be tempted to make an oath. So let me give you an example. Um, I used to be a teacher, and I also worked with a lot of young people, and uh, I remember there was one lovely lad in my class whose name nickname was Fire. Now, I thought it was because he had red hair, It wasn't. (laughs) So I remember having a conversation with him one day and saying, Brian, the building next to the church, the church hall went on fire last night. Did you have anything to do with this? And he's like, no, miss, no. And I said, Brian, are you sure that you had nothing to do with this? And miss, miss, I swear, I swear on my life, I swear on my dog's life, I swear on my sister's life, I never did it. His dog was dead. He didn't have a sister. He did it. (laughs) He did it. (laughs) I swear by this or I swear by that. And the this or the that of the first century was, I swear by Jerusalem that this is true. Simeon, I swear by my head that I gave him two goats, not one. (laughs) Benjamin I swear by heaven and by earth that I'll get that report to you on time I swear I swear I'll do it and it 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 seems to be a lot about the person doesn't it to say I call this as my witness to what I'm saying and Jesus says I tell you do not swear an oath at all either by heaven it's God's throne he's there or by the earth it's his footstool. He's present. Or by Jerusalem, it's the city of the great king. He fills heaven and earth. Do not swear by your head. You cannot make one hair white or black. So what does Jesus mean? Isn't he making it overly complicated? It's clear, God says, if you say something, do it. But we're devious little dust creatures. That's what we are, right to our core. And we're looking for ways to sneak past things, you know, with loopholes and ways to get off the hook. And even ways to keep the conversation going and, and, and just make it look all right. I was in a bathroom sales room yesterday looking at vanity units. The lady was showing me this catalogue where this little tiny piece of MDF covered with plastic was worth 795 pounds. I could have said, oh, that's interesting. It wasn't. (laughs) I could have said, oh, I'll I'll maybe call you. I won't. I absolutely won't. (laughs) But we have choices to make these promises or oaths all the way through our lives, in our daily living in everything and it's been like this since the very beginning since the very it started with a lie that's what got us into this mess in the first place it started with a lie in genesis 3 when there's this curious couple in a garden looking at this enormous tree with beautiful fruit and the father of lies whose nature is deception whose right to his core is a deceiver says Did God really say not to eat? And Satan brings a question mark into the relationship that they had with God and and he seems to indicate that what their relationship is built on is built on sand and they listen and this clear plan that God gives is in doubt. What God said was clear but it was hard. It's hard. The Pharisees in the first century, they wanted to keep God's law, but it was too difficult to be good. It was too hard. It, was, it wasn't possible to do all the things that God said. So they found loopholes and breathing room. They found words that made them look righteous on the outside, but allowed them to back out of what they said. They found things that were as close as possible to calling God as a witness and constructed these masterpieces of words <laughs> which were so close to the original that you could hardly tell the difference. We have a wonderful little niece called Eve and she visited us when we lived in Chicago. She was just eight. And we went into this beautiful showroom, a beautiful shop of gorgeous glass and and. You know, beautiful ceramic work. And before we went in, my sister, her mum, looked at her and said, Eve, we look with our eyes, okay? If you want to touch, only touch with one finger, just one finger. So we were all going around the the shop and and we couldn't see Eve. And then we saw her coming from behind one of the stands with this enormous glass vase in her hand. And she had her whole hand around it with one finger on the edge. (laughs) Only one finger, mummy. Only one finger. (laughs) She did the letter of the law, but not the spirit of it, trying to get away with things. So the Pharisees called heaven to witness what they said, to affirm that God was on their side. And they kept their standing in communities and their appearance of godliness. Do, do we do these kind of things? When, when our Christian life and our devotional lives are difficult, when God seems far away and our our Bibles are dusty on shelves. Can we counterfeit our Christianity? Can we forge, make like a forgery of our relationship with God and focus on what's on the outside, on what's on the appearance of good, but leave our hearts covered? You know, sometimes we can, and we can we can almost align with people who are who are following God, and we, we see them with all their love for God, and and to give weight to our words, we de- deflect from the silence in our souls, and 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 we kind of align with them. Yeah, it 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 may mean it may feel like. A, we're just going to go over. It may feel like if John Piper is my friend or N.T. Wright gave me a phone call, then obviously I'm among the spiritual elite, you know? <laughs> I'm going places with God. But if our faith stands on associating with people who are close to God rather than the relationship that we have with God, we're surviving on their crumbs rather than feasting on the friendship that we can have with Christ. Because that's what the invitation is. The invitation is come to me. Make your home in me. Be at rest in me. And be real. Be real. By outsourcing our spirituality on others, we outsource our joy. By standing too close to them as they lift up God, we miss the satisfaction of the friendship and the depths of acceptance and peace in our own souls. And we live kind of trapped in the mirror, trying to manage the reflections that other people see of us. And in deceiving ourselves, we can, in deceiving ourselves and others, we can lose our way. We can lose ourselves. The Pharisees had developed this elaborate system where you can swear by the natural elements and then, and that's significant and and should be upheld. Or by heavenly entities, and there's a level of seriousness next to that. Or by sacred objects, and yeah, that's a strong commitment. But by God's name, that's the only thing that it definitely counts. John Stott says that. Let's see. Uh, hello, Mr. Wright. <laughs> oh, John Stott says um, that all formulas are irrelevant. A vow is binding irrespective of its accompanying formula. We need to be people who are truth people, people of integrity, people who say what we mean, mean what we say. Jesus says, don't make an oath to cover up for deceit. Say what you mean. Be where you are. And he also doesn't say you need to go and pray about this. (laughs) this isn't a matter of prayer, it isn't a matter of getting a group together and thinking, what would it be like if I was a person who was a person of my word? Jesus just says, this is a matter of obedience. Decide. Be those people. Be those people who tell the truth today and tomorrow and next week. But how, right? So if the Pharisees found this hard, then what hope do we have? What hope do we have? If they, if they found it hard, surely it's going to be almost impossible for us. I want you to ah, just this I want you to um, imagine a very, very religious person, and I would like you to tell me what kind of good things they do. OK? So here we go. So religious. Is that working, Hannah? You're a star. <laughs> a religious person. And what kind of things do they do? Just one word or two words answers. Keep, Keep laws. Yes. Keep laws. Prayer. Prayer. Yes. Fasting. Say again. Fasting. Yes, yes. Another? Mission. Missions. Worship, Worship. yeah. Read their Bible. Yeah. Sometimes faster. <laughs> Read the Bible. Any other things that d- define religious people? Really religious people? Attend church. attend church. Okay, so they attend church. Okay, this one doesn't look like our church because our church is a bowling club, but you know. <laughs> yeah, so the, all these things, they that mark them out. Now, the thing is, The thing is that when we look at a disciple of Jesus who is following him along the way, this is feet, is following him along the way, there's something quite remarkable about this because does a disciple generally keep the laws? Yes. Do do, they pray? Yeah, fast? They, They go on missions? They do Summer Slam, they do work, they read that. wait a minute, this looks exactly the same. I mean, exactly the same. So how do we know the difference between a Pharisee, someone trying really hard to follow God in all the things that they are doing, where their orientation is around themselves, and someone who's following God in joy and in you know how how do we t- how do we tell the difference? The person who is religiously trying hard um, is living under law. I must try harder. I have to do more, and the disciple is living under grace. Yeah. This is a life lived before people. This is a life lived before God. That makes a massive difference, doesn't it? This is a life that absolutely depends on me. This is a life that depends on the Holy Spirit and on, and on God. This is a life of guilt because I'm never gonna make it. This is a life of acceptance. It's entirely different, although it looks, it looks the same. This is a life of condemnation. This is a life of security, a life where ultimately, here, the Savior is me, right? I do it, and here, the Savior is Christ. He's done it. It's all, it's all complete. It's totally done. We have been saved, if we're following Jesus, from a life of trying and trying and trying to be good enough. We have been rescued from that. And as we focus on him and as we live before him, (laughs) you can't stop changing. You will become like him. He is truth. Jesus said, I'm the way. I am truth. And as we hang out with people, our friends, we become a little bit like them. And as we spend time with Christ, his character is imprinted on our character and there is joy in doing what he said. You can't stop it. it. It just oozes out. It's quite remarkable. So what we see here in the religious person is the morality piece. Morality is the antithesis of authentic faith. It is The antithesis is the opposite of authentic faith, but it's also the evidence of it, isn't it? So it's the antithesis of authentic faith, and it's also the evidence of it. It's this invitation to live life free before God, to enjoy his goodness, and (laughs) his character will seep out. The law sends us to the gospel when we realize, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. I just can't. It's too hard. And then we go to Christ and we say, Look, you have done it. You are the one who stood in my place. You are the one who was punished for my wrong." You are the one that I can live my life in worship and in wonder and adoration and gratitude before you. The king of kings who looks over all my days, you're the one. And then that sends us back to the law to say, ah, there's a way, there's a way to frame my life. There is goodness here. There is goodness and, and great peace because I rest in what you have done it's not all. It's not all on me. <laughs> this is remarkable, isn't it? Jesus is an inc- he's amazing, isn't he? He's just, yeah, he's just amazing. So it is possible to tell the truth as we come to the Lord and, and say, Lord, you work in me. You show me your ways. And as we come to the beginning of our days, Lord, I don't want to be a person who tries to find loopholes, who has like a... 10-page small print in everything that I say, <laughs> you know, behind everything I say, I want to be a person whose yes is yes, whose no is no. Beyond that, I don't want to go. It's something that gives us great relief, this simplicity of living before God. It, it, gives, us, it gives us just a release that it doesn't all depend on us, that we don't have to manage everybody else and what they think. We can rest because what we've said is what we will do. The Psalms say that you desire truth in the inward parts. And that is where we will find wisdom. That is where we'll find wisdom because we know, you know, I know that without truth, our lives can be devastated. When someone has said, I will be this person, and they aren't, and they go back on it, it can bring such levels of disorientation that we don't know where we're at. And Jesus invites us and says, this is the way. I'm with you in this. When you fall, let me pick you up. When you are feeling lost, let me be your my, Let me be your guide. I will walk with you. I will be with you. I will be your helper. I will be your strength in the middle of this. I will be there. Colossians 3 says, do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self. We've taken off this living before people, depending on us, life of guilt. We've taken that off. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of the creator. For God is truth. And the closer we come to him, the more peace and the more hope and the more expansive our living can be. Because we're not scared of, oh, what did I say to that person? Did I represent myself right? Did I? No. We're just people, straightforward people of honesty and truth. Walking into a life of truth-telling, I think, is a step to feeling at home. (laughs) You know, to healing. Uh, Steps towards being whole. Whole people before God and before others. Whole people who are able to love and worship in spirit, and in truth, that we're never caught off guard because we never have to be on guard, (laughs) that our yes is yes, that our no is no. It's an invitation into full living and joy before the King of Kings. Let's pray together. Our great Father We thank you so much that your invitations and your word are into goodness. They're into peace. They're into beauty and trust. And Lord, we get ourselves so tangled up, so tangled up with lies. We ask you, Father, that you would untangle us, that you would help us going into this summertime to be people of our word, where yes is yes, where no is no, where we're walking open-heartedly before you, not trying to forge a relationship which isn't there, but just being where we are, meeting you where we are, and going forward from that place. We thank you for your great love for us, We thank you for your presence in our days that you fill heaven and earth, that you will not let us go. We love you, Lord. You're amazing. Thank you in your name.